welcome back y'all to another episode of the decipher podcast a uh, little podcast we got going about design and uh, ux and everything of that nature um it's sensational it's sensational uh i am your host kayla moorhead i'm your co-host cameron luck and we're happy to see you guys once again yo so let's get down to it. Uh, today we got another topic, y'all, and is how to market yourself as a UX designer. Interesting. That'll be a good one because I think this one has a lot of misconceptions built into it. So this will be interesting to talk about. Yeah, I think so. And you know, it is something that we get from a lot of people too, and other things sort of tangentially related to it. So I think it's a very relevant topic for a lot of people. Um, and kind of an evergreen topic in a lot of ways too. Yeah, totally. I just so, have to comment on the fact that you're wearing the ATLian shirt now. We dog, talked a little I, bit about this last dog, week. You knew you knew what it was. Does you it say bombs it over Baghdad on across the back? <laughs> it just says '96 because that's the year the album came out. So that makes sense. You know what? It's close enough. <laughs> that is good enough for me. Uh, well, yeah. So today, how to market yourself as a user experience designer. This, like I was saying, it's always going to be a super relevant conversation because there's uh, always people who want to get into UX design. And, you know, I think both of us are asked a lot of times from uh, just people looking to break into the industry, you know, what does it take to get in there? What do you do? Mm -hmm. How do you set yourself up for success? And, you know, everything like that. And a lot of it, I think, really is going to be about what makes you special. Um, I, I think that's something that you're going to hear wherever and about a lot of things in life. And yeah, you know, of course. Everyone, yeah. everyone gets their ribbon and their gold star for being special. But, you know, truly, it, it is something that you got to consider in all of this. Right. I think when you just say you're, I'm a UX designer, that can mean a lot of different things yeah, to a yeah. lot of different people. And, you know, when you look at a, a job listing on one site versus another site and, you know, this company versus that company, everyone's going to have different things that they want. Um, right. Is so... You know, for myself specifically, thinking as like a more concrete example, I really market myself as someone who is about design systems and thinking in terms of information architecture and how do you structure things so that way it will work in a expansive system and be able yeah. to like, yeah, scale up. Have new and parts plug into it and all those things. Exactly. And mm -hmm. so those are the kinds of things that I really speak to as far as like what my designs are about and the things that I offer, you know, on top of that go from everything from research, from sketching, mm -hmm. from wireframing, prototyping and doing this and these different tools and these different ways. But it's really like, what is the thing that, you know, I do, uh, really I well. do best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Cause I'm like, I think the thing that people don't get a lot of the time is they'll, especially when you're first starting out, everything's so daunting. There's so many pieces to the UX process. And I mentor a lot of people that are starting their career and when you're kind of further along in your career you don't even realize that there's all these pieces you've picked up and, and things like that and how daunting it is but like the thing that's very clear is that when you first start you don't have a clear separation in your head between like what information architecture or system design or all these things are mm -hmm. so it's very unclear 
what you're good at or what you've, mm-hmm. you've like associated yourself with. And so it's, it's interesting because when you talk about marketing yourself as a designer, like I see so often when I've taught portfolio classes or spoken with designers trying to position themselves, even more senior designers trying to position themselves for certain jobs, they're like looking to mm-hmm. brand. And when you're more junior, they're like, oh, I want to brand my site. Like they want to do a lot of visual things. And I'm like, that's not really... You hear in other realms outside of design about like your personal brand. Your personal brand mm-hmm. has nothing to do with visual design, right? And that's kind of yeah. what you're getting at. It's like, how do I approach right. and solve problems? A large thing with us and, and our approach to design and, and this whole podcast and everything we're doing around this is we are looking to... We're looking to diversity, right? And a large amount of Chris Gannis, yeah, a large amount this, of this, uh, this work from home life. <laughs> a large amount of design and and being a good designer is you have a diverse skill set and a diverse opinion that's not the same as everyone else, right? So like bringing your unique ability to solve a problem or look at something in a very unique way. It's not just a design thing. It's not just, oh, because you're a designer, you can uniquely look at this angle. It's also a you thing. So a large amount of your like personal branding and marketing is going to come across what I tell people all the time is like when you're writing a case study and the, the positivity to the case study format is you are writing in your own personal style and it shows how you approach a problem and how you think, right? So like mm-hmm. all of all of the branding from my perspective is in how you're laying out elegantly and simply your problem solving approach. And then even right. if you use the same deliverables as me, I'm not even looking at like, oh, me and you both do sketching, me and you both do wireframing. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at like, oh, well, he has really nice wireframes. No, I'm looking at why did you use those? Like, what are the details that you focused on? What did you not focus on? How did you use that to inform your next stage of your design process? Why did you do it? What did you cut from the process? What did you add? How did you maintain these relationships with your customer and with your stakeholder across that? That's marketing and branding because you're a problem solver at the end of the day. It's like you almost want to remove yourself away from like a designer for a second. And we've said it several times on this already. Look at yourself more as a scientist. Like if you were Mm -hmm. going to be a scientist and you needed to personally brand yourself, how would you do it? Right. You might want to show like your research methods. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm really good at this particular mixture of whatever. But it's more about your method and your outcomes. Right. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the big thing to take away from all this is the fact that like I, I like what you were saying as far as there's a difference between being like a designer and a problem solver. And I think I you're definitely onto something as far as like a lot of people, particularly when you're really fresh into the game, you're thinking like, how do I make this like amazing site and like a great cool portfolio experience that will really just captivate people. And that's great. That's cool. I'm never going to knock that. But if the things that you're presenting on your polio report, Po- on that polio. polio that's on a your polio that you need to <laughs> yeah, exactly. shout outs to vaccines um, <laughs> you know i think it's great that you might have this like super flashy portfolio that you have all this like great uh animations and mm-hmm. cool text and all your you know your headers and your footers you know and the, they all match to like the business cards you got and all that kind of stuff that's right, great that's right. cool but like at the end of the day if the content that is on there is not up to snuff, then it's not going to matter. matter. Um, And so it's like some of the best portfolios you get are just real simple, like just sometimes repositories of like, here's just case studies that I've done. Um, And you're like, that's perfect. That's all I need. Uh, I think the thing that you were kind of speaking to is this idea of like marketing yourself is more in like how you tell your design story, how you tell your design process. Um, That is marketing yourself as a UX designer. There's always a hang up, I think, from a lot 
lot of people that something has to be like very visually compelling that you have to have like great deliverables and all these like final mock-ups of what the site or this app looks like and how it works. And again, not saying that's not great to have, but if I don't understand how you got from this was the problem that we had to solve to this design and what it did to solve the problem, then it's, 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 it's a wrap. I'm I'm like, it's not someone that I would recommend for a job like that. Yeah. And so like a lot of the times I'll tell you some tips about this too. Cause like when I teach like portfolio classes or I advise people with this, I tell them never start with any visuals go into something. I always tell people nowadays, use Notion, go into something like Notion. If you don't have it, you should download it. It's free. It's an awesome wikiing type of tool. We use it for everything. Um, go, go into Notion, write out exactly what happened from top to bottom on this entire project from memory. Cause you're going to, you're going to say it like how you, you speak mm-hmm. and then just mm-hmm. tweak a few things here and there, cut out the parts that you don't need. But like, I just try to write out the entire process and be like, okay, let me reframe this as a problem. Challenge. And then you add your assets in after almost like you're building a presentation, right? Like you add the assets in after you have the content and then right. you move that onto a website. Sometimes I've gotten portfolios strictly from notion with like case studies mm-hmm. or from like a, a Google drive or a PDF. And those have been just as successful getting a UX role as the ones with crazy websites, right? I've yeah. invested in a website and things like that because I want to stand out in certain ways around like particular skill sets, but mm-hmm. you don't have to, right? I'll talk to that point in a second around like some of my other advice on marketing yourself. But mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, like, if you were going to give like one tip on how to market yourself, um, what would it be? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I would say to keep in mind when you're uh, going through this process is sort of an idea around like specialization. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you have to understand that like you specialize in certain parts of the process um, right. and that certain people who are still designers might focus more on sort of like the research side. Um, right, right. They are like, they have a lot of experience with that. And that's kind of the thing that they can really sell themselves on is someone's right. like, I'm very data driven in my designs because I do a lot right. of like very thorough vetting of these different concepts and ideas and approaches. Um, someone else like myself, I'm an information architecture uh, guy. And so I think a lot in terms of systems, how things are categorized, how you organize right. stuff. Taxonomy, stuff like that. Yo, shout outs to that OCD. But <laughs> it is like, but you know, there are other people that who makes a lot like, of sense. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, design, you're a design uh, technologist and you're someone who does like right. prototyping and you are able to like take a design and build it out and, you know, use it for testing and stuff like that. Right. Um, and I think those are sort of the ways that you specialize <gasps> yourself. Sorry, Herc. What's going on? <laughs> uh, that's my dog. Yeah, so you got you got the kids. I got the dog. Specialize in what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Specialize in wolf boy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I specialize in that I, bacon. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> in that beef. Um, uh, so I think there's the specialization, but also understanding that you have to have a toolkit behind um, right. how you operate, and that as a designer, you are not re- you're required to pull different 
things out of that toolkit from time to time. Um, And being able to adjust to that, sometimes you play more to what some of the specialties are, but you got to understand like there are times where I might be a prototypist, but I need to do a lot of research on this thing. Right, right. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because like, and you don't have to be good, like the best at every tool. That's the thing. Like you have to have an understanding of them. You might learn prototyping on the fly. You might, like that's perfectly fine, but the whole concept is like you can grasp those things and you're able mm-hmm. to tap into them when you need to, right? And I'm like, I really like what you said about that too, because like, there's a difference between having a base level and understanding of the things versus like specializing or being like, right, a, like a really good at a certain things, right? So like the thing I always say, and I'll, this is my tip for that same thing mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Every single time I sit down with people, I'm like, you need to pick two pieces of the UX umbrella that are going to be your primary focuses, right? And mm-hmm. kind of what you spoke to a second ago, I'm more of like the design technologist type person. Like I'm very huge on interaction design and research and those go together well, right? Mm-hmm. And like, those are my two things. I'm also pretty good at the other parts, but those are the things that I, I specialize in. So I always put those forward. Um, and so the thing that I always tell people and is... Kind of, and you can do this exercise yourself at home right now. Like if mm-hmm. you're someone that's looking into UX or you're, um, you've already done UX and maybe you want to make a slight pivot within the field itself, try this here. Because everyone always goes, oh, I don't know um, what those two things would be. I don't have enough information on them, whatever. New stuff, new stuff, them, new stuff. <laughs> I normally tell them, hey, if you've done anything in UX or even like think of your past uh, life and maybe you've not done UX yet, but there's things that map similarly. Uh, but specifically, if you've done something in UX, right? Pick the things that you enjoyed doing the most. Like what deliverables did you enjoy doing the most, right? Did you like wireframing? Did you like um, information architecture? Did you really like just conducting interviews? Did you like Mm -hmm. these kind of things? And then also pick the thing that you're the best at. Those don't uh, correlate all the time. Like Mm. I like prototyping a lot. Yeah. I, I learned to like research. Like I didn't begin with like, oh yeah, I love research, but it, I was good at it and it fit well. And it, and it became this thing that I could do, right? And then you double down on those two things. Yeah. And then you position yourself completely with those two things. And you're like, okay, cool. You don't neglect the other piece of the project, uh, of the process, right? But like when you're presenting a, a case study, um, especially when you present multiple, show those things the most. Like, oh, here's the interaction mm-hmm. that I did. Here's the prototypes I did. Here's the research. Here's how mm-hmm. I drove this decision with my all of my deliverables, right? Mm-hmm. And so that also will spill over into like a presentation, which is the big part of landing a job, right? Normally, you're only right. able to show about two case studies at any given company. Yeah, you Show one that shows your end-to-end grasp of the process. You go, hey, here's, here's what I know how to do. And then your second mm-hmm. one, let's say you have 45 minutes. Just make this easy. Spend about 30 to 35 minutes on your first presentation showing a flagship project that shows you know the end-to-end process. Mm-hmm. On your second one, don't show me that again. I know you, you grasp it. Show me those two skills really well. Mm-hmm. Hey, show me a project that shows that you really went above and beyond with interaction design and prototyping or above and beyond with research or both. That's how you differentiate yourself. And you're doubling down on your strengths. You, and I think as designers, a lot of the time, we don't like to talk to our, uh, talk about ourselves that much. or mm-hmm. And we don't really think about like, oh, presenting yourself as a, like in a sales way and being like really... right. As a star, about, yeah, like I'm a star. I'm, I do great, like, and that I think contributes a lot to this. Yeah, exactly, and that contributes a lot to this, right? And I'm like, yeah. but in the midst of these things where you have to present yourself and sell yourself, sell the best version of yourself, right? Like nobody goes to a car dealership and they go, "Hey, you know, Chevys have bad brakes." They go, "Oh, you know, this thing has a great gas mileage." And they just sell the positives. You don't have to tell right. us the negatives, right? Um, right. And then 
present it that way and show, show what your strengths are. But like, yeah, I would definitely say take some time to really think through those two things. Um, and use the framework I told you a second ago too, if you, if you're not sure, yeah. um, and think about what do I love and what am I good at? And feel like I should find that cross like a dropped a like funk flex bomb on after, <laughs> after you finish that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn son, where'd you the find cannon. that one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the cannon. The, the, the cannon. <laughs> oh man, that's been some uh, years. Oh, <laughs> those mixtape years were great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess head with another brand new experience. <laughs> <laughs> the L.A. leakers. Yeah, exactly. That's the big one. That will never not be amazing. Um, Yeah. So I guess for yourself, you know, what do you see as sort of the pitfalls um, from people who try to market themselves in UX as a UX designer? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Because as much as I'm saying like, hey, show your positives, like some people are Mm -hmm. over the top and kind of like arrogant with it. So you don't you a large part of this, right, is even when you're presenting yourself, you're actually presenting yourself in the context of a team. You want to show how your designs influenced mm-hmm. people and pushed forward without you being like the design. I did everything. Diva. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to present it. Even if you did do everything, you don't want to present it that way. But like you want to present it in a way of like these are the key pieces that I drove forward. And you don't want to present everything. You want to present here's the things that swayed decisions. And this is what mm-hmm. helped us go forward and be mm-hmm. um, open and honest about when things didn't work. And when something failed or a decision went the other way, because then we get to see how you hit up a challenge and mm-hmm. we're able to pivot or, or, or what was uh, or reconcile it. Right. So like those are huge. And then the other yeah. side of the branding uh, is sometimes people do get caught up in that visual thing. And like, even if you're going to be a visual designer as part of your like background, if you're going into the bigger UX field, like I need to see the other pieces. And if mm-hmm. you overdo it in visuals, like people can see through that. And they'll start being like, hey, this person's not really a good fit for this UX role. Maybe they should be in visual design or UI or graphics, mm. uh, graphic design, right? Which that's fine. Those are those are all well and good roles. But if you really want to yeah. be a UX designer or something like a product designer, when you're positioning your uh, your visual things, you still want that case study format where you tell us mm-hmm. the end to end and then position like better visuals alongside those things. And then you can spend time near the end where it's like, hey, here's the outcome. And just go into detail about like, also tell us your decisions about those visuals. Like, why did you choose certain colors? Why did you lay it out this certain way? Mm-hmm. I never see like a, a large amount of explanation of why a visual thing was chosen a certain way. Yeah. And I'm the type that I don't think I'm a great visual designer, but people comment me, uh, like tell me I'm good at visual design. I just follow a grid system. Like I follow eight point grid <laughs> system, do everything in eight. And I'm a, I'm a math guy. So like I'm at the end of the day, like the math works, but Right. I don't know any of those visual things. If you're able to say like, Hey, I was able to use these principles to make harmonize these colors, or I picked the mm-hmm. color orange because mm-hmm. it means energy, like color theory, all these kinds of things like, and it hits back to your core goals and your user type. I'm blown sure. away by all that kind yeah. of stuff. I'm like, Oh, this is insane. I have no idea how to do this. Right. right? right. <laughs> you know, I think something you were kind of speaking to, you were saying something about like working within team. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think there is there is an inclination to either oversell or undersell your contributions 100%. on a project. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I know I have dealt with, that I know plenty of other people uh, have had issues with. And I think you have to have a good mindset of there is the rare project that 
you will probably do, particularly if you work for a company, if you were a bit of freelancer, it's possible, but like you didn't pick up this whole thing and then just move it from the start line to the end line by yourself, to the finish line by yourself. Um, there are people who you deal with. Um, yep. And sometimes it's just your client. If you're, if you are a freelancer, you know, it is the client and you have to like just deal with them and make sure they're happy and make sure you're understanding what their issues are. But um, you're, you know, developing this and designing it and doing all these things on the back end by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could be in a much more team setting at a company where, you know, you're working alongside engineers, PMs, stakeholders, senior leadership, whoever. Um, and you have to be able to speak to the fact that like, I did these things. I worked on this, this, and this, but at the same time, I also incorporated things from this person. I went to this person to like get, not not even like just to get approval on this thing, but to like get their like buy-in. So they understand what I'm going with. This is how I influence those kind of things. I sat down with the devs to make sure that they understood how it's supposed to be executed, why that done that way. And, you know, I met with them beforehand to make sure we could do something right. like that. This is feasible. Like all yeah. those different kinds of things. Because I think, like you were saying, to how you're going to present your projects, if you're having two case studies where you have one that's more of sort of like just this passion project or just something that's a really cool example of like stuff you did, I think I expect someone to be a little bit more of an IC individual contributor right. on that. Um, and just like they did it by themselves. But if you're working on this end-to-end process, that's much you, more. Yeah. You definitely need to explain it's like where was yeah. I'm working with other people. How well, how well was I able to work with other people? hundred percent. Yeah. I think the big thing there too, is like, there's this hard thing to reconcile in people's heads where like, Oh, I was the design owner. When you're the owner of something, that doesn't mean you did all of it. Right. Like if I'm an owner of a company, I'm actually delegating a large amount of decisions and tasks. Right. But like Mm -hmm. people feel like they need to control it. That's not what you need to do. You're just shepherding it. Right. So like a large amount of something I hear all the time is like, Oh, we need to take people along the journey with us. That's what we're Mm -hmm. trying to see. And I also want to be like, I want to put a small caveat in here for like people that are newer uh, to UX or like in entry level roles. Like this expectation is less about the influence across like mm-hmm. leadership and all that stuff. We're, we're more looking for when you're earlier in your career, we're trying to see the grasp of the basics. Can you do the basic things? Do you have the ability to speak to the design? Do you have the ability to do the appropriate outputs, the appropriate um types of work. Right. And then lastly, mm-hmm. why did you choose those things? I'm actually more concerned with like, Oh yeah, I co- conducted research. And, and then I yeah. say, and I, if I ask you why, and there was no reason and no outcome, that's actually more of a problem. Don't present it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had a lot of the time where I've, I've met with people in like boot camps or other places where they're like, Oh, we, we built out mobile wireframes and desktop wireframes. And I'm gonna go, but you didn't say anything about the mobile all the way through here. Like, why are you showing this? The they're trying to show it. Yeah. They're trying to see like, Oh, I can design for mobile, but I'm like, none of your case study was about this. It's better to just remove these. Or if you're going right. to say like, hey, we're thinking about doing responsive later and these were just some concepts we came up with. But like, don't make that a focal point. <laughs> and especially like don't no. in- interject something at the end that wasn't part of the, the challenge, right? So yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that we talk about before in terms of like portfolios and uh, use cases. It's like totally. everything that's in your results at the end of it needs to tie back into something that you spoke 100%. to. Right? Or I'm going to start yeah. going, what is this, bro? It's what like, is where, this? Where did this come from? What's this guy right. do with anything? Because right. to me, it don't mean jack. Like to you, 100%. it might mean a lot, but you know, you got to think about your audience here in that case. Yeah. And there's a bit of a mixture. I'll just end with this. Like there's yeah. a bit of a mixture. Like when you're later in your career, we're actually more invested in trying to figure out like what is your influence and how do you drive decisions earlier on we're more like hey how exactly are you using the design process and do you know it do you have a grasp Mm -hmm. of it right so Mm -hmm. like 
if you're showing me like deliverables that don't line up with like what you're saying, I'm actually going to be quite scared. And like when you're a junior designer, the, the way that, or someone that's trying to enter the field, right? The way to look mm-hmm. at your portfolio is look at every single deliverable you're talking about and ask mm-hmm. why, Hey, did this actually help me get closer to the end? Mm-hmm. And then when you're like more senior, you kind of know how to do that. And you need to start looking through your portfolio and saying, how did this drive the team's decision-making forward and then start communicating that forward? Mm-hmm. And how did this drive like my team's decisions? Right. So like, those are the two differences that we're normally looking for. Um, but when it yeah. comes to marketing, hopefully that's helpful for people of all types in the design industry, but like, that's normally what it looks like. And the farther you get into leadership and management, things like that, it's more and more on the influence side and yes. much less on the deliverable side. Right. It's like, Oh, yeah. how do you communicate design thinking and get a team to change their processes to right. fit design into it, right? Right. Naturally, as you're getting older and higher, you're going to have greater opportunity for influence and being able right. to like influence the people below you, all around to you, you yeah. know, to, to, yeah, below you, above you, and to your side. You know, you right. got <laughs> right. to be able to do that to make Everywhere. it worthwhile. So, yep, got to be a little nucleus. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think there was something else in there, but uh, really, just the idea that um, what you're showing in these use cases is work that you've done where you can show like how the design process has worked for you, how you've worked it right. and just making sure that you sort of naturally make it a thing of like, Hey, this is just what I do. This is how yeah, exactly. I operate. Yeah. I think the best I'll end with another analogy as always, the best yeah. metaphor I could put for this is like, the design process is really just a set of ingredients. You called it a toolbox earlier, right? But like it's a set mm-hmm. of ingredients. Sometimes you're going to use flour and egg and sugar and make a cake. Sometimes you're going to use the same type of things and make bread. Sometimes you're going to, and like, that's what it is. And you, you're, you that's as a designer, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you as the designer get to manipulate and mold not only the design of the product, but the process to fit within your company's uh, needs and build yeah. the appropriate thing and influence the appropriate ways, right? There's times where I'm using a part of the design process strictly to influence someone. It's not even for the outcome. Or mm-hmm. I'm removing a part of the design process because it's unnecessary to help drive this decision forward, right? So like, think right. of it that way. You're And you have to have such a good grasp on the process because you're going to have to change it to yeah. to the needs of your your company, right? So like, back to the original question around like branding and marketing, if Mm -hmm. you can show command over the design process to where you can, and you show me like, Oh, in a couple of different ways you were able to manipulate the design process for your Mm -hmm. needs. I'm sold that you can come work for me. You know what I'm saying? So that's my biggest advice. Yeah. If I had to wrap it up in a nice allegory myself, I feel like (laughs) it's, it's really like, show me how the sausage is made. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. It's like, you know, I was like, it might be a nice chorizo that you plated and everything's beautifully, you know, laid out and, you know, deli- delightful taste and all these things. And I'm yep. like, but how, how did we get to this right, point? Right. Right. Like if you can't explain to me how we got here, we're going to have problems. Right. Right. And then join us next week for Deb Jam Poetry right here. Because <laughs> all we're doing like is making ridiculous analogies. <laughs> this right. is what we do. It is what we do. We communicate in a really strange way sometimes, but hopefully it's, it's, just, it's helping you guys. <laughs> we just tell ourselves little stories and it just kind yeah, of exactly. breaks it down. <laughs>
<laughs> but that's what you're supposed to do as a UX designer. That's what you do. We're storytellers, man. We're more yeah. storytellers than we are designers. We'll get into that, that in the future. future so thing. Yeah, exactly. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's going to be on one of those, like, how we got here uh, episodes. Yeah. When, when we show you how this sausage was made. We'll, we'll oh, man. It's an old crusty sausage. Uh, I think that's everything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's enough for one episode for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. So again, thank you for uh, joining us for another for another episode of Decipher. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, you know, dial up the one eight hundred hotline. I'm I'm definitely concerned. Uh, Post them in the in in the in the YouTube chats in the comments rather um, online when we have some of these social media sites going and. Uh, just let us know you know click follow like subscribe share retweet everything ticket talk it uh, put it in your pocket so <laughs> take it talk it put it in your pocket that's all we got for today that's for sure all right y'all that was Cameron Luck and this is your boy Kalen Moorhead and we out we out of here thanks for watching see you next time <laughs>